0: Hello everyone, welcome to season three of Stop Being the Best Kept Secret. I am your host, Dr. Tana M. Session, and I'm so honored to be back here again. We have a great lineup of guests this season, and I invite you to sit back, chill out, get your favorite beverage, and tune in. So a little bit about me in case it's your first time being uh, exposed to Stop Being a Best Kept Secret, I'm Dr. Tana M. Session. I'm based in Los Angeles, originally from New York, which many of you could probably hear from my accent. And I am an organizational development specialist. And with that, I do consulting. I do HR consulting. I do executive performance coaching. I do diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging consulting. And a lot of the guests that I bring on are sometimes in the same space and sometimes outside of that space. I like the variety. I like to learn from them just as much as I want you to as well. And today's guest is none other than Ulrika, all the way from Zurich, Switzerland. And I'm honored to have her here. I'm going to give her an opportunity to introduce herself and tell us what problem does she solve and how does she help people stop being the best kept secret? So Ulrika, welcome to Stop Being the Best Kept Secret. And I'm going to hand the mic over to you to formally introduce yourself.
1: Thank you very much, Tana. that was a lovely introduction, <laughs> and thank you for having me on, on your show. Yeah, so I'm Ulrike Seminati, a complicated German first name and an Italian last name. So I'm German, based in Switzerland, living half in France uh, with my French husband, who's of Italian origin. This is why this mingle of different <laughs> types sounds, of names.
0: It sounds beautiful and exotic all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yeah so yeah what i'm doing for a living is that i'm a leadership and communication coach that means concretely i help leaders to lead with authenticity because many leaders put up this personal or this this corporate persona uh, on when they go to the office. And especially women also have that tendency to just leave big parts of their real personality at the doorstep. And that is quite a shame, I think. It's also a loss for diversity, a big, big loss, I think. And I'm working on that, particularly with leaders, no matter the gender or the background because I believe that would just humanize the workplace far, far more. And my, my background is in corporate communications um, and I'm combining these with the self-development techniques. Um, and that means that I'm helping leaders also to communicate with impact, which helps them to be heard, not only to be, to be understood as well, to become at least a little bit more inspiring and to be able to connect much, much more with the audience actually. So that, yeah, something happens that I can move something the things that they can achieve, their goals and their visions.
0: I love that because one of the things that we've been talking about in my space around diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging is to show up to work as your true authentic self. And that includes leaders. And and I love the fact that you're working with them to help them become their true authentic selves in the workplace. Because I think if you think about how we all are, we have this one persona that we show up in the workplace and then another one that we show up around a dinner table or with our friends and family and it leaves pieces of us behind when we don't you know bring that with us the thing i like about what happened over the last three years since the pandemic when we were all behind closed doors and we weren't in an office space and we were just sitting in these little virtual boxes is that you got to peek into these leaders world you got to see inside their homes you got to see some of the things that they've collected um you know based on you know room they're in and what types of artwork they had or you know little trinkets around their office and that helped to humanize a lot of the relationships between managers and their direct reports. Do you think that that's still a case or do you think it's starting to fade away as people move back into the office?
1: I have the feeling that it's, it's fading away actually, unfortunately. I think it was uh, an effect, especially in the first year of the pandemic because it was very surprising, mm-hmm. it was very new. And the mm-hmm. fact that sometimes children or pets or something like that, someone <laughs> popped up in the background was quite funny. Yep. It was surprising in the beginning. And um, today, when people speak about it, I have the feeling it's more like a, a nice memory. We can still, rely on, you know, but it's not, it's not something that they continue. And I think that's typically the what always happens when we are not consciously working on maintaining or developing something that we fall back into old patterns and old behaviors, because after all, obviously these two years made a big change in the ways we are working. Hybrid work is much more accepted and so on. Remote work is much more accepted for sure. But at the same time, as soon, I think, as people go back to the office and in companies where most people are back to the office, we are back into the old normal. It's not Mm -hmm. like that things have become more connected or that we, I don't know, that we that we use this new knowledge or this more personal knowledge about a person. Because I think there's still this barrier where we think, no, no, but in the office, actually, normally we don't talk about that. You know, I will not address it now anymore. I have that feeling that is unfortunately fading away.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And I think I see that even with my own clients as they're starting to move into the office. Um, and some of them I get to actually go and work in their office on specific days. So I get to really see what the culture is like from the inside and kind of what the interactions are between manager and employee or just coworkers. And you're right. I feel like we're back in 2019 in a lot of ways. It's like the last three years never happened. And I know people were anxious to get back to normal and I said, this is a new normal. Like we need to understand how we've all changed as a result of this, whether we it, admit it or not. And we need to know what does that mean now in the workplace. How does that transform the culture? You know, trying to recapture the culture of 2019? I think is that part's gone. And, and now we're trying to fit square pegs into round holes and say, oh, I want it back to where it was. And the employees like I've had a sense of freedom. I got to know you on a personal level. Um, you know, I feel like we have a different relationship now, you know, and, and now you want me to go back to the way it was. I don't know that especially young you know, Gen Z and, and younger uh, millennials. I don't think they're going to fall for that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true for sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because also it's not like they have worked for 20 years in an old environment. Right. So <laughs> I guess for and for some people, actually, it is the normal environment, especially also for those who joined a company, a new company, even if they have 15 years of experience, for example, but they joined during that phase. They they haven't known the company before, haven't known how it was culture wise when everybody was in the office. So they Mm -hmm. they just know this different normal. And now they're into the so-called new normal, which is their second normal. basically. (laughs) Yeah, organization. And and I think they just have to adapt Yeah, I think for everybody, it's, um, I mean, you can see it always both ways can be painful, but I think it's a huge learning opportunity in any case for everybody. And there are a lot of opportunities in there because there's still quite a flexibility and more openness to discuss how to do things and in terms of organization, in terms of methods or processes. And I think there's still a lot of opportunity for change. There's still a bit of an open door.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And, And I hope that door continues to open. Um, What, if any, impact do you think the next generation will have as it relates to leaders being authentic, showing up as their true whole selves, and being able to mentor, coach, and lead this next generation?
1: I think that in general, much more things will be questioned. (laughs) I think... Before, we were much more into just accepting the status quo. Mm -hmm. We were training the organization, hierarchies were accepted, they were as they were, and we can still see a lot of old style leaders out there applying more or less a command and control style. And, you know, if you're paid, you have to be motivated. I obviously have to be motivated because you're paid. And I think this, this changes a lot. And I think things will be questioned much, much more in terms of what makes sense. What is worth really the effort? Why are we doing these things? Much more, a a much bigger sense of purpose, not absolutely life purpose. I don't think that's true, but more why I'm here, you know, why I'm using 15 minutes of my lifetime and, and do this now. Why should I do that actually? So I think that might lead to something that is for those who are not used to it because they have worked differently for the past and is very difficult to adapt to. But it, it's, again, it's, again, I think, an opportunity. And I think every generation brought always something new to the table mm-hmm. and was enriching this business world in a certain way. Now, we were not only going for better, better, better. Obviously, we we're going for more performance, 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 mm-hmm. and that was not maybe the right path. I would rather see it now. I think that this, this extreme performance-driven attitude that has reigned, I don't know, in the early 2000s still, when, when mm-hmm. I did my corporate career, is very strong. I think this will tune down towards something potentially a bit more meaningful and, and hopefully more effective <laughs> as well mm-hmm. so that everybody can do the same amount or achieve good things, but with maybe less effort because there's less useless effort than it was before because things are just more question can be.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that access to information is a lot faster than it was in my time. So I'm Gen X. Um, and when I think about my early career, you know, a lot of things were still analog and paper driven, and it took longer to get responses or longer to even get answers to managers. And now, you know, with this thing that they hold in their hand, (laughs) they pretty much have the whole world at their disposal and they can easily access information. And, you know, if you tell them to do something a certain way and they feel like they can do it faster, smarter, cheaper, they're probably going to want to do it that way. Right. And when I think about my generation, when we first came into the workplace, you know, my early 20s, um, we were considered the generation that, you know, questioned the status quo. So we were the ones that came in and asked a lot of questions why things were being done that way and, you know, wanting to shift and change it. And a lot of women were looking to move into leadership as well. So we saw a lot of women leaders come out of the Gen X generation as a result of kind of the pivot as well as the work-life balance. So wanting to be there for their families, but also be able to have a career at the same time and not be penalized in either way. And so when I think about this next generation in terms of you know, how leaders are showing up and now leaders are the Gen Xers in a lot of ways, right? they are the older Gen Xers, younger boomers. And uh, their management style has to adapt because, uh, again, I think trying to put a square peg into a round hole, they're going to see a lot of turnover. They're going to see this younger group not wanting to stay under that type of leadership. And they're going to question a whole lot more than we did.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. But I'm curious to see how how this will influence also what we have seen so far in terms of diversity, for example, sure. Um I'm really curious to see that. I don't know what it will actually do if it's a big change or not. I have the feeling that in the one sense the younger generation more uniform than we were i'm also gen x like you because there were all extreme types of styles and you know before we went to work obviously yeah that uh, at least in europe was very 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 varied when i look now at people in their 20s they they dress more or less the same style we had many different styles or extreme ones Mm -hmm. and then it tuned completely down and you adapted obviously put on your corporate persona go yeah. to work and, and this all faded away with age obviously but um and that's not like that with, with the younger generation but at the same time I can imagine that they look much more for questioning who they are. For example, when, when I started like 25 years ago, self-development or being self-aware was never a topic, ever. Right. I mean, nobody spoke about that, ever. And right. I think when you have the chance that in your early 20s, for example, you truly work on yourself and better understand what you're actually up to, what is holding you back, you know, this whole belief system, whatever. I mean, it can do so many things. And when you do that in the early years, I think it's wonderful because when I look back at my career i was i had a great career for sure but i didn't enjoy it because i was Mm -hmm. never self-aware so i was always fighting with my imposter syndromes and it's really painful for nothing so i think this might make a change that there is um as you say also every information is so much um, at their disposal at our disposal everyone's exposure and disposal actually but I think it's different when when you have that choice because as in the past we had to buy a book, right? (laughs) There (laughs) were no online online courses. What internet? What's that? You know, started all off so far away. Yeah, from the possibilities of today, far away also from. From other people who could be role models on the other side of the planet, because apart from television, there was not much now you have such a vast choice, which is maybe difficult too, because it's so vast you don't even know where to start with, but. Yeah I think there are a lot of possibilities and using them wisely is probably is probably a secret of success simply choosing the right things that do good to you and mm-hmm. where you feel like this is this is the direction where I want to go this is how I want to grow if you want to grow and and that's what I'm doing for me and, and doing that as well. And taking that time and taking that freedom also in the workplace to really select a bit more, what actually do I want to evolve with and what are the roles, the tasks, the projects and not just accepting whatever comes my way because uh, because others probably like that if I do that. I think this is, this is a more bold um, attitude at work in general.
0: Yeah. When I do trainings around the multi-generational workforce, I do this exercise that I found online some time ago, and they have you walk through what they call the life script. And so the general life script starts off with, you know, when you were four or five years old, you put on your backpack and you went to school, you were told to get good grades, you were told to graduate, go to college, get a good job, uh, you know, make money, get married, start a family, and then retire and be happy. But this next generation, especially younger Gen Y and Gen Z, they're saying, no, I want to start off happy. <laughs> so they flip the light script that we've all been either told or it's been inferred by us seeing it you know, demonstrated by family, guardians, parents, or whomever, older siblings. The younger generation, the one uh, generation coming into the workforce now and the one that's currently there, they're saying, no, no, no. We want to start off happy. We don't, we don't want to wait until the end. <laughs> <laughs> so everything that we do has to lead to that happy part, right? And if it doesn't, then it's not aligned. And, you know, again, it won't stay. So what are some of the challenges that the leaders that you've coached or worked with have faced with showing up as their authentic selves and and being able to, you know, manage this, this next generation of workforce?
1: Well, there are two pretty different questions. I think the first one about showing up as the authentic self is, is probably more difficult, I have the feeling, for the older people, or older, for those who (laughs) whatever. Would that include (laughs) us? Yes, exactly. Because it's very, very hard to to, to go away from something that you have practiced for 20, 30 years with success, maybe not making you happy. That's Mm -hmm. very often like that, but it made you successful. It creates Mm -hmm. security. Human beings long for security, and that's why it's so hard to go away from that. So I think becoming more authentic some people have forgotten even what that is they don't even know anymore but what actually is my authentic self at work especially (laughs) and if they start comparing with their private lives they find out wow there's a big gap not for everybody but for some wow the gap is huge so something's maybe not quite right here something wrong i mean for sure you have always a different behavior with people you love and you fully trust and at work Mm -hmm. but if the gap is too huge and something something's not quite right and um, and I think when it comes to younger people being more authentic, it depends very much on the personality. Some are are really up for it and do that. But many I see a lot who are maybe because this become my customers as well, because others won't come
0: probably but yeah. those who <laughs> see me
1: are more in the sense like, but when I'm myself, will I be accepted? I have the feeling then that it's not what is expected from me. So there are a lot, a lot of doubts around that. Can I do that? And if I'm bolder and if I'm saying my opinion and if I'm speaking up in that meeting, and all the others have much more experience than I have how will that look like and if I, if I say something stupid and so
0: mm-hmm.
1: I can already see how well what what I also did in my early 20s when I started that you start adapting to whatever is your environment whatever is mm-hmm. the opinion of your colleagues whatever is the culture whatever you feel or see is valued in in the group you are typical human as well obviously and we're doing that at work automatically and there is a really choice to make doing that or not doing that and being aware first of all when you're doing it so when you're really mm-hmm. stepping away from what your values are and most people don't know their values anyways right. <laughs> I've never thought about it so that's already something yeah. it's, it's really like I see it Um, there are different reasons for why people don't want to do it it can be comfort it can be self-doubt it can be fear really to be rejected yeah. Um, and the reasons why they do it is because they they feel like it's draining not to do it. You ha- if you have to play a role constantly, 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 it's really draining. And you never can be proud of yourself. Because deep inside of you, you have the feeling someone else has actually achieved that success. It wasn't really you. Mm-hmm. And that is something, and people understand that there's quite a motivation in there to understand, hey, then I can be happy right from the start. And not only when I retire, actually. Yes, right. <fall>. To, to work on that and to have a different perspective on how I'm acting and behaving.
0: Yeah. I like that aspect of um, the reward goes to someone else, right? When you're not showing up as your true authentic selves. And it can be scary, you know, to your point, will I be accepted? Um, will I be ostracized in some way or even penalized? I have one client, they're in the entertainment industry. And every time I go to their office, I love the fact that people just show up as they are. And I was just like, this is just is different, but in a good positive way, like I don't feel like there are any pretenses happening there, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's in the style of dress or how they wear their hair, or what clothes they wear, what jewelry they have on or, or even makeup, you know, they have a, a an employee who identifies as non gender conforming, and they wear makeup, right. And so it's just interesting to just see that. And then again, they're all comfortable in their own skin. And they're all, you know, successful and they from what I can see in the one day a month I go there you know they all get along and it's just a warm environment and it feels like an extension of home you know is what someone told me and I was like wow that's a really good feeling I don't think I've ever had that in the workplace <laughs> an extension of home no <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah but that's ideally what it should be because then you can really feel well we spend so much yeah. time so yeah that's the ideal mm-hmm. situation I think
0: it is I wanted to pivot just a little bit before we wrap up and and, and talk a little bit about what does diversity look like on the other side of the ocean? So from your perspective and the work that you do and the clients that you partner with, um, what are they focused on as it relates to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging? Mm
1: -hmm. Here we focus much more on gender, I guess, than in the US um, because we have, um, most people are white here. Yeah. Mm Um the discussion how to integrate all the immigrants that we had over the past years, because many, many were coming um, is still a discussion and it'll take probably a while.
0: So <laughs> I think podcast.
1: <laughs> diversity. I think the two the two things that, that comes to mind immediately is around, obviously, nationalities as well, backgrounds, cultures, these kind of things, languages, yeah, because in Europe you have obviously a lot of that. And especially Switzerland is a place which is very, very international, much more than all the other European countries. Um, it's also oh, really? the only country where you can, you can live without ever speaking the local language. You can completely live with only speaking English, for example. It's wow. the only country really in Europe where you can do that, where it's accepted in companies that. Even if there are nine German speaking around the table and one is not German speaking, then everybody will speak English without complaining or or, or being embarrassed. Actually, it's just uh, that's, wow. that's Switzerland very special. So in Germany is not like that. In, in France, forget forget about
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been to France. I know that already. I learned no my way. lesson.
1: <laughs> yeah, no way. So um, and I'm commuting a bit between these three countries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty different from that perspective, but when we speak about diversity very often it's still still a big gender discussion, mm-hmm. because yes percentages are looking okay ish depending on the industry and depending on the roles and so on and so forth, obviously the higher you climb up the less uh, it's equal yeah for sure, mm-hmm. all of that is there. And it's more about that, and um, and at the same time, it's one of these topics where everybody's tired of because we are speaking about this now already for destinies.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and but still, as, as long as it's not done, you know what do you want? Right. And, um, what I think is important, and this is why I have a, I have a podcast for female leaders, particularly because I think that. One of the difficulties why we do not have that real diversity is that women in general have, much, have it much harder to be accepted for they, their true self. Because it's different from the typical leader. And if you ask people what is a typical leader or a successful leader, they see the the white man in yep. middle-aged white man, And I think all across the globe, it's more or less like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, it is, and, and that is actually the problem that then when the higher women climb up the career ladder, also here in Europe, the more they adapt to this style, even if they don't want it, even if the men even don't want it, it's so much ingrained in in how we see how organizations work or what a leader is, that subconsciously we, we, we somehow strive to become that person, even if we don't want that, actually. Yeah. Very... It's it's very it's a paradox actually <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like that but that's more I would say in in terms of diversity and then we are also speaking out people who are disabled for example to in- integrate that more but in reality you see it very rarely it's spoken about you know companies have programs many companies have set up programs in the past years for that but I think for many it looks more like a nice campaign than something that is lived or that people really embrace or that they mm-hmm. even have time for to think about that. Because for most, it's like, let me alone. I just want to do my job. And right. uh, oh, all the rest, all this diversity stuff and inclusion. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now I have to, you know. and And that's, I think, I think people don't understand the richness which is in that and which, which they can also benefit from finally, because it was, would also grow their horizon and their perspectives.
0: True. A lot of the same challenges here, as you mentioned. Um, I remember for years, diversity was focused on you know, women, emerging women leaders and moving them into leadership positions, C-suite positions. Um, this year, uh, Fortune 500 has the most female Uh, CEOs on the list and there's still less than 20 so so that speaks volumes Mm -hmm. out of 500 companies right and that's the most that they've ever had Um, so there's definitely a pipeline issue that continues to perpetuate here in the U.S. around women leadership and to your point if they don't have the mentors of people who look like them you know representation matters so how do they then form their leadership style and um oftentimes that is driven by who their mentors probably were which probably were white men in most cases um so same issues and then of course pay equity that's another big gap here too Mm -hmm. where we're looking at you know how do we close the pay equity gap for women I don't know that we ever will I read an article where it said it'll be 2056 I'm like will that be my lifetime I don't know (laughs) maybe maybe not (laughs) Yeah, yeah it's gonna take a long time Um, But I think, again, I think going back somewhat to the, you know, new generation coming in, they have zero tolerance for inequities. They have zero tolerance for lack of representation. They have zero tolerance for lack of diversity, lack of inclusion and belonging. So, uh, you know, I I tell everyone they're going to stand on our shoulders for the work that we've done and we'll be able to see the rewards of that work through the next generation. So, that's a good refreshing perspective to keep, which is kind of what keeps me doing the work that I do, even though sometimes I feel like nothing's changing. And yet there's diversity burnt out, burnout, and everyone's exhausted by it. But if we take our eye off the ball, all of the work that we've done in particular over the last three years will just go away, right? And it'll, it'll go away a lot quicker than it will continue without having some sort of oversight and accountability. So I will be remiss if I don't let people know how they can find you. Please talk about your podcast so that they can follow your podcast as well. And then we'll wrap this up. So go ahead.
1: Yeah. So my podcast, let's start with that one, is called Empowering Female Leaders. <laughs> nice. And so I'm interviewing women from all across the globe uh, who are empowering and who are then empowering all of those who are listening to my podcast. So it's especially for, for women who want to thrive in whatever they do. And um, people can find me on my website, which is UlrikaSeminati.com. <laughs> so- we'll you Put in you a can...
0: transcript. Exactly. <laughs> 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 because
1: <if> not- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And you can find me on LinkedIn under my name very, very simply. Um, And um, I'm offering always a freebie as well, which is called a new one, actually, which I will upload next week. It's called The Art of Persuasion. It's really about communicating in a very tailor-made way, how you can really understand the motivations of other people and how can you then shape your message accordingly.
0: (laughs) Wonderful. Who's your ideal client? Who are the people that should be reaching out to you?
1: There are two two different ones. For one-on-one coachings, i like to work with women relatively young and ambitious relative, relatively early on in their career really in their first leadership position thriving for their first leadership position and wanting and and, and struggling how to position themselves you know, who, who am I? How, who can I be at work? Even if I want to make a career and, yeah, these, these difficulties that are there. Um, and I'm doing trainings in companies around communicating with impact, leading with authenticity. And that's obviously then any kind of learning and development manager um, or people in organization managers, people like that who, who want to do something in their organization and to want to change the level of their leaders and how they engage with their teams.
0: Beautiful. All right, everyone, you heard it here. So you know how and where and why to reach out to her. So make certain that you follow, make certain that you connect with Ulrika on LinkedIn, uh, her website as well. We'll make sure we post it in the transcript so that everyone has the correct spelling. And that's a wrap. So everyone, thank you for being here for Stop Being the Best Kept Secret, season three kickoff. And I am your host, Dr. Tana M. Session. Be sure to set your alerts. Be certain to notify yourself when new episodes drop. And of course, continue to follow me on all platforms at Dr. Tana M. Session, where you can keep up with all the work that I do around organizational development consulting, executive performance coaching, and diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging work as well. Thank you, everyone. And see you next episode.